Welcome, everybody, to the number one sports podcast on the entire planet. I'm your host, Drake Tharp, and I'd just like to say a Merry Christmas because the next time you're watching Drake's Corner, it would already have been Christmas, and then blah, 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 and then you'd all complain, oh, Drake, you never said Merry Christmas to us. Yeah, well, I'm saying it now. Happy early Christmas, everybody. Um, We have a lot on the table in this episode, kind of jumping around everywhere. Um, it's kind of been a unique week for uh, the sports world a little bit. Um, got some NFL, some something light there. Um, the debut of some boxing talk. I know the little boxing gloves are in my intro. I you know kind of have to live up to my intro, even though tennis and volleyball are in it too. But it's just an intro I bought of Poshmark. But anywho, I think it's pretty nice. Um, but let's jump right into the show, everybody. We got a lot on the table. The circus is here. And speaking of the circus, the man running a circus, Urban Meyer, has been Urban Fire. Yep. Since we last talked, Urban Meyer has been let go of his duties as the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Um, let's jump through the timeline here. So, Urban Meyer was hired. He um, signed, made an unusual signing of Tim Tebow. As a tight end, did not work out in the slightest. We were like, oh, you know, Urban Meyer, he's not that weird. Signing Tim Tebow from his old Florida days, not not totally weird. Then came in the adultery. Now, remember the, I, I think it was about six episodes ago, Urban Meyer, I made a little funny segment about him grooming up on some women, not his wife, at a bar. And yeah, it's that's the first hint on the timeline. We we're like, okay, this is already a great start. He has got to be, you know, out of here within two weeks, give or take. Um, you know, then then it started to light up a little. We saw some development from Trevor Lawrence. We saw, you know, some development on their defense. We saw a win against the Bills. Um, the whole Josh Allen versus Josh Allen deal. Josh Allen on the Jaguars, you know going off on the Josh Allen quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, we were like, okay, Urban has, you know, solidified himself. Uh, you know, he can get past a mistake. And, you know, it's something something didn't, you know, not hold on his part, you know. Um, he can really follow up a mistake and move on with this team, and they're showing bright spots. Then came the allegations of, just misconduct, screaming at assistant coaches, screaming at one of their receivers, Marvin Jones Jr., um, literally kicking their kicker, Josh Lambeau, in a practice. Um, that came out, and I think that was the final straw um, besides the benching of James Robinson. You know, he made a lot of unusual decisions on and off the football field, uh, in the nightclub especially. <laughs> You know, I I really hope he lasts longer in bed than you know he lasted on the Jacksonville, ja- the Jaguars. <laughs> Sorry, I've thrown a joke there. Um, but yeah, he's he's done. Um, could he go down as the worst head coach of all time? Now we've seen, you know, most of these uh, college coaches come in, big time college coaches like Nick Saban, Pete Carroll. A few of them work, a few of them don't. Urban's one of those that definitely did not. Um. And he definitely could be a candidate for worst NFL head coach of all time. Um, you know, he's always been an NFL head coaching prospect, and uh, we put it in the play with a developing Jaguars team, some somebody that needed a, a fresh new offensive mind. Urban Meyer was thought to be that guy, and um, it looks like, I don't know, he might just be simply out of his prime with coaching. Um, it seems like he's not 
capable of putting forth a full effort into uh, an organization that needs a guy to lead behind. And he's not a le- it doesn't seem like he's a leader. Um, doesn't seem like he gave 100% to the Jaguars. And yeah, that's the story. I was, I'm happy to give you guys the timeline. It was fun to report on. And here ends the Urban Meyer saga. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> wow, what, what a disaster. That is absolutely nuts. Next on the agenda, speaking of old men out of their prime, could Tom Brady possibly be the next client of that title? Oh, Tom Brady's playoff hopes may be falling apart after, you know, Chris Godwin tearing his ACL out for the season. Um, they were just shut out by the Saints, not a beastly Saints defense they have. It's kind of mediocre, and they were shut out. Um, and they lost his run, their run game uh, with Leonard Fournette maybe ending up on the IR with a hamstring injury. Um, you know, I said Tom Brady's playoff hopes are they're going to make the playoffs, but will they go deep into the playoffs? That's the question. And I, you know, Brady's, okay, let's take a look. So Tom Brady with the former Patriots team, let's, let's go back to his second three P or, you know, stint with the Patriots of, you know, winning championship after championship in his late 30s. Now, he made guys like um, Chris Hogan, um, Danny Amendola, uh, you know, guys you wouldn't, let's, okay, let's put it this way. I'm not politically correct. Oh, you know, not athletically gifted white wide receivers. There, yeah. He made guys like that look like superstars because that's who Tom Brady was. Now, is Tom Brady, you know, kind of hiding the fact that he's getting a little older by surrounding himself with top-tier talent like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, Leonard Fournette, guys like that. And I, I think it just paints a picture of, for Tom Brady and his GOAT status, listen, I, I'm old as hell, I'm getting older, but I can still put on a show. And I think he's hid that behind, you know, better receivers, a better ran offense, a better run game, all of the above. And now he's lost that. He's going to have Mike Evans. He's going to have his star receiver. Um, you know, the only other star receiver I think he's really had um, it back in his Patriots days was uh, Randy Moss, Dion Branch, and Julian Edelman. Those are guys, um, you know, kind of close. Uh, Randy Moss, obviously one of the greatest of all time, but the Patriots stint wasn't forever. Um and, I mean, they went 16-0 in the regular season with Randy and Tom. Kind of a perfect season ended in the in Giants fashion as that's Tom Brady's kryptonite for some odd reason. Um, but these are guys who, you know, you got three guys for Tom Brady in the past that, you know, they have three combined now on the Bucks that are top-tier talent. And I think it paints a picture of Brady's age and I say and I think it's staying I can I can play as good as I can but I need talent I'm 44 I can't do it all this time but now Brady has to do it all this time and then he's 44 so we'll see how it works he's lost his run game um they were passing a lot before Leonard Fournette went out anyway but um they were the type of opposite team to kind of pass to open up the run you know you you go in against the Bucks and you say, hey, we got to stop Tom Brady. Then Leonard Fournette comes in and scores four touchdowns. It kind of goes like that. It's kind of an opposite of what you're supposed to do, but it's Tom Brady and the Bucks. What do you say? I mean, what do you know? Um, Godwin's out, though. 
one of the best route runners in the league. Um, Mike Evans, we don't know the status on him. He could be coming back soon. He's really just got Gronk and Mike Evans. And, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. I really think it's a painted picture of Tom Brady's age of um, having all these star players, but, you know, you know, back in the Patriots days, he didn't need all these star players. That's who Tom Brady was. It was a Bill Belichick and Tom Brady scheme, and that's why they won. And they made undrafted, white, unathletic guys their star receivers. And is that the story anymore? New. No. So, Tom Brady, 44. We'll see if he can make a deep playoff run. Switching up from the gridiron onto the gloves. Now, if you can take a wild guess on which boxer I'm going to talk about, I'll give you 50 bucks. You didn't say Jake Paul. Quit playing around. I'm going to talk about Jake Paul. I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's it was one of the it's a big boxing story. It's on headlines. It's everywhere. Um, you know, we got to talk about it. But I'm gonna t- I'm gonna try and talk about it for the right reasons. I wanna I wanna talk about it and say is this good for the sport of boxing? And I want to say, I believe that it is. It brings publicity to the sport. These athletes, or I, I, we're going to call Jake Paul an athlete now, um, and Tyron Woodley, the guy that he fought. Um, we're going to call them athletes. They could step into any other sporting event, and they choose boxing. Jake Paul, for all I care, could have a, a swimming contest with top tier swimmers and keep challenging them no he's choosing boxing he's cho- choosing a, a you know dirt wash sport where you know it's the the grit of a sport and it, i think it's good it brings publicity to the sport it brings um publicity from you know the content creators on youtube like myself um attention to the boxing scene and it could it could open up eyes on future boxers boxing events that you know showtime are producing um with actual boxers um and yeah i really think it just brings great publicity now the argument for are these fights rigged now that's where the line is drawn between where i'm going to talk about it and you know top tier media outlets aren't going to talk about it is it rigged no, it's not. I'm not. I'm not an idiot here. We're, it's not rigged. It's um, if you look at the knockout here. I'll play it right here. He has done it from time to time. Just haven't been. Oh, 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 and turned it into a hook it's simple as that it's not rigged uh jake paul's clearly been perfecting his boxing craft for the past two and a half years now um it was just a damn good knockout we've seen it before i mean mean, we've seen it a lot before in you know professional boxing fights these knockouts like this happen all the time um now here's where it gets dicey I think it's bad for the MMA. Now, if you look at Jake Paul's record, Tyron Woodley knockout. He won by decision um, the fight prior to Tyron Woodley. They fought twice. Jake Paul just knocked him out. The first fight, he won by decision. Um, ben Askren, total knockout in the TKO in the first round. Um, you know, those are he's been having an MMA fighter stint um, over his last two fights. And 
I really think that it shows how much striking is a minuscule asset in MMA. If a guy like Jake Paul can come in and knock these guys out like it's nothing. Striking defense, striking in general. If Jake Paul can train for two, two and a half years on this aspect of fighting and can knock these guys out, it really puts... It, I don't know if it's bad for the MMA, but it really makes it seem like you know striking is less than 5% of it when it comes to hand-in-hand striking and striking defense, if that makes any sense at all. Um, you know, if he's putting down guys who have been fighting their whole lives, um, Ben Askren, kind of a wrestler. Tyron Woodley, more of a striker than Ben Askren, but he can still, he's more of an all-around fighter. Um, but it shows, hey, it's more. there's more to MMA than just boxing. But our guys... Are getting like if you're Dana White, our guys are getting beat by this YouTuber who's only been training for two and a half years. I don't know. I it's it's tough to say. I I don't. It does. It's not a good look for you know fighters, mixed martial arts fighters. I'm, that that's all I'm gonna say. But Jake Paul, hats off, making boxing look. It's not. A, I don't. It's not. I hate when people say it's a joke fight. These entertainers are choosing the sport of boxing to promote themselves and to promote fights and produce good content for a lot of different people. Like, people who watch Jake Paul and people who watch UFC, those people don't go hand-in-hand hand, um, out of 9 out of 10 times. So let's, let's just say that. Um, it, I think it brings communities together in an odd way. Let's say that. Anywho, enough of that Jake Paul nonsense. Let's go back to our transfer dancers. Now we're jumping from the gloves back to the gridiron of college football. Now, last week we talked about Keaton Slovis and Bo Nix and Adrian Martinez. Now, since then, they've all three committed to colleges. And was I right about any of them? No. Where where Drake was wrong, Colin Coward style. Colin Coward. Um, yes, I was wrong about all of them. I said Martinez would go to California. Martinez committed to Kansas State. Now, is this a money move? Or is this a trash move? I'm going to say this is a trash move. I took a look at Kansas State's passing stats um, for the last two years. Um, their quarterbacks did not put up over 2,000 yards passing. Um, I took a look at their rushing yards. Their running backs putting up more rushing yards than their passers are putting up passing yards. They're a run school. They don't have a lot of design quarterback runs for you know quarterbacks at all. Um, Adrian Martinez, an underrated runner. I would think he'd want to go to a, you know, an offense that would rely more on, you know, running with the quarterback, kind of an option style offense. Doesn't look like Kansas State's that type of school. Um, you know, he's in the Midwest. Um, Adrian Martinez to me seems like a city boy, kind of a um, Cali guy. Um, he he came to U, uh, University of Nebraska. Um, pretty decent party school. I think he likes it. The scene there is all about, you know, footballs everybody's lives in nebraska so um you know i think it's a big scene for him in nebraska i don't think kansas state is the right scene for him i don't think it's the right offense for him um the coach is very old-fashioned there they don't like to do a lot of design stuff rpo action they like simple um simple routes curl routes all that jazz or they're just running it up the gut with their running backs and adrian martinez isn't I don't think that's what he plays like. I think he's an RPO-style quarterback who, you know, needs speed on his offense, and they're very old-fashioned. I don't think it's a good move. Now, Keaton Slovis, USC's quarterback, transferring from USC, and he's going to Pittsburgh. Yes, Kenny Pickett's college. 
Um, I think it's a good move. Uh, Keaton Slovis. Um, so if you take a look at his his stats now, from 2019 to 2021, his pass attempts per season has gone down near 150. Wow. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, there might must have been a coaching change. Yeah, there was. Um, from 2019, he was throwing over 3,500 yards on 300 attempts, um, 30 touchdowns, not not even 10 interceptions. And I think you know going to a school like Pittsburgh, even though their offensive coordinator is gone, they're going to see what Kenny Pickett did. Okay, we can build around this. We get this Keaton Slovis guy. We can up. It's going to up his stats by maybe even a thousand yards from his 2019 season, and up his touchdowns. It's a great NFL prospect school for quarterbacks. I think it's. I think it's a growing school for quarterbacks. Um, and I think Kenny Pickett's the lead charge behind that. I think it's a good move for Slovis. I really do. Bo Nix. He's going to Oregon. I was wrong. I really wanted him to go to Nebraska. I really did. I don't think Smothers is ready in the slightest. I think Bo Nix would love that home kind of deal here in Nebraska. But he's going to Oregon, and as much as I wanted him at Nebraska, I think it's a good move. I really do. Um, As a pocket passer, he's very good. He has a lot more legs than prior Oregon quarterbacks have had um, since Marcus Mariota. We saw Justin Herbert. Worked out very great for him at Oregon. Um, they developed a pocket-style passing offense for him. Bo Nix can run a little bit, but he's more of a pocket passer. Um, and I think it's a you know last-second option you know to make a run at the NFL. And I think Oregon's a great spot for that. They have one quarterback prototype, Justin Herbert, uh, Marcus Mariota, former Heisman winner. Um, I think it's I think it's a great spot for him. I think they have a development. He's more experienced. He's got the brains for it. Oregon's a great football school. They have a plethora of offensive sequences that they can use for him. Um, it's going to work out for him, I think. I really do. So those are the, that is that is the transfer dancers. I think that this is a retired segment here on the show. It was fun. The dancers have all gone back to their ballet studios and they are ready to play ball again. It's great. Now. I told you guys this was going to be a circus episode. We're jumping from the gridiron to hoops. And I'm only going to talk about one thing with the NBA here. Um, You know, I saw an article the other day, and it was stating Kevin Durant is MVP, blah, blah, blah. No, he's not, okay? All right, here's why. Okay, I have like five reasons here, and if that's not enough, you can escort yourself off this video and go watch some crap. I don't care. Um... Curry's the MVP, and it's literally not even close. Listen, here's why. He's got the highest plus-minus in the NBA at plus 15. That means when he's on the court, his team is doing plus 15 points better. I may have butchered that definition, but I it's pretty. I think that's what it means. Um, he has the best defensive rating in the NBA. Um, there were a lot of, you know, people who thought Stephen Curry's might take Defensive Player of the Year this year because defensive efficiency is a is a kind of a newer stat that uh, the votes are seeing to vote for Defensive Player of the Year. That's when pe- that's why people were so surprised when Giannis w- took Defensive Player of the Year and MVP the year that he won it. I think it was during the uh, COVID year, the Asterix year. But defensive efficiency is a newer stat, and Curry um, has had the highest defensive rating. Um, when compared to Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry's shooting stats are nearly identical, if not better. Shooting better from three, uh, total overall, it's not a huge percentage different, but he's shooting better from the free throw line, shooting better from three. Um, 
you know, and and he is a much more competitive conference. Let's not get that. Let's not get that twisted. Um, he's playing against superstars: Paul George, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard. Um, on the East, you really only have the defending champion Bucks, um, the Chicago Bulls, and I really think those are the only two threats in the East. Um, and you, don't forget about the Suns on the West. Now, here's here's why Curry's got to face the powerhouse of the Suns. Um, a struggling Lakers team who knows what they're going to do in the playoffs, um, a well-coordinated Jazz team. They have the maybe the Clippers when they're healthy as well. The Nuggets, they're not they're not a pushover. The Grizzlies are up and rising too. Now, if you look at the East, who's the third best team? The Cavs right now. Now, I'm not saying the Cavs are a joke. I'm just saying when you look at the West, you have teams like the Lakers who are sitting in the seventh spot. Now, I'm just saying it's much more competitive. And team record, Stephen Curry's team record, it's a lot better than KD's, and they're without their star player. Um, I think the team success without Clay Thompson is a lot more valuable than um, Kevin, Durant, Kevin Durant with Kyrie. I think it's a lot more, you know, impressive what Curry's doing without Clay than what Kevin Durant's doing without Kyrie, if that makes sense. Sorry, I had to channel my thoughts there for a second. Anywho, yeah, so Curry, highest plus minus, highest defensive rating, shooting stats are nearly identical, best player on the best team in the uh, in the league, uh, team success without their other star player. I mean, what other more reasons do you want? So whoever wrote that article on NBA.com, shame on you. I just destroyed you. Come at me again. It's over. Sorry. Um, main event time. I know you guys were like, Drake, you do you do this one segment every week, and I haven't heard it yet. I saved it for the main event. The NFL Power Rankings. Now we're jumping back from hoops to the gridiron again. Yep, the NFL Power Rankings are here. Now, there was a lot of COVID protocol with the, uh, first of all, stay safe, everyone. This Omicron variant is like, but yeah, it's, I don't know, I might be digging into the uh, the hype here with the Omicron, but stay safe um, with any virus, to be honest. But this strain is newer, and apparently it's, you know, wrecking the sports world. So um, I'm not going to get into that. No, no politics here. No politics. Um, but the uh, this new variant of COVID is kind of uh, destroying NFL scheduling, and I think it's giving them an aneurysm. But the NFL power rankings after this week, um, a little different. I, there's a few, It's Tuesday right now. There's a few Tuesday night games. It's not going to change anything unless the Rams lose. I guarantee the Rams don't lose. But here we go. NFL power rankings. What is it, week 15? Yep, week 15. Here we go. Um, I have a few honorable mentions. Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans, and the San Francisco 49ers. They could all be there, but they're out for a reason. I'll, we'll get into it. Number 10. You guys are going to lose your minds. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're, Drake, you're crazy. How could you say that with Big Fatty Ben? What are you talking about? Listen, listen. They're over 500 right now. They just brinked over 500. Um, they have a win over a good Titans team. Roethlisberger has surprisingly been playing well despite his condition of fatness um and if you look at their division let's check it out the Bengals have had a few bad losses against the Chargers and the 49ers in the last two weeks the Ravens are on a three-game losing streak and the Browns suck 
The Pittsburgh Steelers have been the only consistent team in that division, and I think they're going to sneak in a wild card spot when they beat the Ravens in, we- in the last week and when they beat the Browns. I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs though in their next week, but they'll sit- they're- they'll finish at nine seven and one. And there'll be a wild card spot, and who knows what that defense? Their defense was ranked number one before the season started. So, and they have an insane pass rush. T.J. Watt looks like an absolute animal, and um, may have a, ch- a chance at Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I like Pittsburgh. Right now, they have a promising running back. Their line kind of sucks. Well, it's not. It's not get it twisted, but they have a promising running back, promising receiving core. Roethlisberger, if he can just throw it, just that's all he needs to do. Don't run. Um, they're kind of a balanced team. I, they looked like a shit fest, you know, start of the season, start of the few weeks of the season. But right now, I like where they're at. Number nine, I got the Bucks. The Bucks at nine. Yes, did you, did you not just hear me go off on Tom Brady like twenty minutes ago? I don't know. Um, yes, they just lost Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette. Brady looked lost against the Saints after losing a few of his star players. Uh, they have a mediocre defense. I never understood the hype behind their defense. Uh. I think it's behind the uh, whole Super Bowl defensive uh, front they had against the Chiefs last year. And since then, people are just like, oh, this defense is elite with no conversation at all. Um, the only reason they're sitting in the top 10 is because they have Tom Brady. Now, let's not get it twisted. Tom Brady's the GOAT, and who knows what he's going to do. But I got him at number nine. I don't think they're a, uh, I'm not, I don't think they're a contender right now in the NFC. I really don't. I think they're a top 10 team, but they're not a, uh, a super threat to teams like the ones I have down the list. We don't do spoilers here. Um, except Spider-Man. Here's what happened in Spider-Man. Kidding. Relax. Don't log off. Anywho, number eight, I got the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, I got the Cardinals. They're still in the top ten. They had a bad, bad loss against Detroit. Now, it would have been better if it was close, but they caught a trap game. You, I, you guys know I like using that word, trap game, and they caught one. Pushing them out of the elite status, in my opinion, I don't. I think they just saw it as a pushover game against the Lions. Uh, the defense looked pitiful. They made Jared Goff look like Jesus. Um, the chemistry wasn't there. Kyler looked lost. Um, there was one play where he threw it to AJ Green, ran the wrong route, threw a pick. Looks at AJ Green, he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" Um, bad for the chemistry. Uh, the Cardinals have had a few solid wins this season, though. Uh, that's what's keeping them in the top ten. So the talents there. Um, they have a lot of promise on that squad. They just need to, you know, keep it together uh, through the playoffs and move past this trap game. Number seven, Patriots. Ooh, yep, they're moving moving up on or down, up up numbers, down on the list, though, if that makes sense. Uh, the passing game hit a wall against the Colts. Um, they made a few bad mistakes, and just from those mistakes, they couldn't come back from it. They really have to focus on the run game with the offense. It's not a successful way to play when you're down by a lot. You need um, somebody without limitations to do that. And Mac Jones is a rookie, and obviously he's going to have, it's evident he's going to have limitations. Uh, they struggled uh, offensively and they made when they made bad mistakes. And a run down the throat offense like the Col- Colts uh, was strugglesome for them, and they just kept running it, kept running. Very balanced offense from the Colts. And, yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Just absolutely destroyed them. One-man army. Uh, made their defense look pitiful. Uh, they made a little comeback towards the end, but not at the pace that they wanted to. Um, so with that, Patriots sitting at 7. I still think their defense is elite and um, just a little little less. They just need a little more cleanup on the offensive side. And they're a threat in the FC. I'm not saying they're bad. They're just moving down a little bit. They're, 
hey, they have a chance to move back up. I'm not saying you don't. Uh, number six, I got the Colts. We're just talking about them. Huh. Jonathan Taylor may be an MVP favorite right now after rushing for over 150 yards and a touchdown against the the Patriots, running it 30 times. Uh, the Colts are a very balanced team, like I just said. Carson Wentz can get it done. Um, we saw him with the Eagles four years ago. He still got it, and he has a gr- damn good running back with a great defense. Um, speaking of defense, I think they have top three linebacker in the league in Darius Leonard. Uh, they may be the most balanced team in the AFC, they, but while they're very disciplined, I don't think they have a lot of you know out-of-the-world talent like other teams do in the AFC. I really don't. Jonathan Taylor is a beast. Um, but he's a hard worker. I don't think he was born with super elite talents like other running backs have been. Um, I just think he's a strong ass man with hella speed and grid vision. I think there's talent, but I think he's a product of hard work. I really do. Um, so the talent, I think they're just a very good schemed, disciplined team. So, but they're, that's what wins championships, discipline. So they're sitting at number six. Number five, I got the Chargers. Now, here's a squad that I see a lot of talent on. Yeah, they lost a shootout against the Chiefs, but they have and they have zero defense, but they played the Chiefs tough and embarrassed their defense that's been on a tear. They took them to overtime, um, obviously, with that defense. Chiefs come down and score right, right away with uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, Herbert still looks immaculate. Uh, I like their chances making... An AFC title game, maybe? Maybe a rematch between the Chiefs and the, the Chargers and the AFC title? I could see it. I could see their defense embarrassing other defenses. Or I, I could see their offense embarrassing uh, defenses like the Colts and the Patriots. I really could. Their offense is ridiculously good. It really is. Uh, number four, I have the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys, uh, they have a very balanced win against the Giants last week or this week. Um, Zeke looks really solid. Um, I've been talking down on Zeke for the past few weeks. I've been saying Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard. This guy looks a lot better. Zeke kind of just looks like he's in a slump. Um, but he looks solid. Again, it's the Giants. Nothing to write home about. But Dak looked like he was getting out of his slump. Holding the Giants, holding the Giants to six isn't a flex, but it's a confidence booster heading into the playoff. Uh, the playoffs. Uh, their defense with their their young core, Diggs and Parsons looks real solid. I like I like them a lot. I think once if they're healthy, they're a huge threat in uh in the NFC. Uh number three, I got the Rams. Living off that superstar hype, living off the superstar win against the Cardinals. They have a game tonight against the Seahawks. I guarantee you they win that game. The sky is the limit for them right now. I don't have a whole paragraph on them. They we know they're superstars, we know their capabilities. Um they have the most potential out of any team, I believe, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, I just double-crossed that. They they have the most potential. Look at their squad. Um, number two, I got the Chiefs. The offense clicked, and the defense semi-clicked. Now, we've been talking about the Chiefs. One week their defense clicks, one week, st- one week their offense clicks. Uh, this time is their offense, and their defense was embarrassed by the Chargers. But listen, it's the Chargers. I've been hyping their offense up. Uh, for the past three weeks, and I've been right. Their offense can't be stopped right now. That's just their defense is absolutely atrocious. Um, but this time their offense clicked, and once you know their defense clicks against good teams, they're uh, we kind of saw it two weeks ago against the Raiders, um, where both their defense and offense clicked. Uh, it's the Raiders, nothing crazy, but we saw a flash of the Super Bowl favorite Chiefs. Who would have thought? It seems like seven weeks ago, I was just saying they won't make the playoffs. And they were out of the power rankings list, but here they are. 
back at number two. But number one, I got the Packers. I got two words. Aaron freaking Rodgers. Sorry, three words. Um, he's the MVP right now. He is ridiculous. Um, the run game looks kind of bad. Their defense kind of looks bad. And they're still winning games by two touchdowns against my Bears. They had a close one against the Ravens, though. But they're winning games. Um, they beat the most good teams um, I've seen out of any team in the league. They've beaten the Cardinals, Rams, Ravens. They have very good wins. Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem like he wants to lose, right? I mean, I have no other words besides he's the MVP. Packers are number one. Um, you can argue with me about it. I don't really need to give a lot of reasoning here, but they are just nuts. The passing, uh, Aaron Rodgers, the most talented passer I've ever seen. I've been saying that, um, and I think they're the Super Bowl favorites right now, Green Bay. I do, and it hurts me. I'm a Bears fan, and I'm saying this, so take that in consideration. Look at humble me. Look at humble me. I am, gosh, wow. Can't believe I just said that. You know, it takes a lot to be the man I am. Anywho, that is the show, everybody. Thanks for watching Drake's Corner. Um, loved ending off the finale with uh, the NFL Power Rankings. Loved going through a boxing section, even though it was about Jake Paul. Here's the thing. I actually, like, hate Jake Paul. I, I, buy, I bought his fight, his fight to see uh, him get knocked out, but instead it didn't go that way. But it was fun talking about that, um, retiring the transfer dancer section. Um, I know, tear, tear to your eye. I get it. Um, but yeah, uh, one more announcement. Christmas giveaway. I know, I know. You guys were like, "Oh, Drake, oh, we're getting out of you as a Merry Christmas." Yes, I'm. I have a giveaway. Um, so it's going to be a white T-shirt with the Drake's Corner logo, kind of in the left pocket here. Um, yeah, just something light. Um, uh, just comment down below the size of your T-shirt, and I'm going to pick one by. Monday of next week, so December 27th, I'll be announcing the winner of the giveaway. Leave a comment down below, and you might win a Drake's Corner t-shirt. So yeah, anywho, thanks for watching, and I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Peace.